Some of us, when we start to make bad life decisions, what's the first thing we do? We pull ourselves out of fellowship. Because there's a part of us that if we're in fellowship and we're not doing well, we don't want anyone to know. We want to be kind of by ourselves. But I'll be honest with you. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. And when we are isolated, that's really when we make the big mistakes. Western society has embraced the idea of radical individualism, And this has found its way in the Western church as well. The problem is that when people are isolated, it's easier for them to fall into temptation. Two can fight more effectively than one. Pastor Daniel's teaching today is going to illustrate that for us through the life of Judah. The great thing about God, though, is that he can redeem our mistakes and bring forth good out of them. Now here's Pastor Daniel in Genesis chapter 38 as he begins his message. Judah, Tamar, and the grace of God. All right, let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 38, as we continue our slow but ever so fruitful study through the book of Genesis. Once again, we find in the book of Genesis that The major theme is actually the grace of God. Just like that's the major theme of every single chapter of the Bible. That we see over and over and over again in the life of the people of God, God's grace. You never find ever, other than Jesus, somebody who is deserving of the blessings of God. And what's amazing is, is for us as People who are Christians, people who follow God, is we realize that and then we get saved and then we forget that. Because once you're in Christ, it's so easy to start to think like, yeah, I used to do all these things. I don't do these things anymore. And I am some sort of a righteous person. And that's where self-righteousness really comes in. It's we were once blind and now we see and we get mad at people who are blind as if we had anything to do with the reality that our eyes got opened. It was sheer grace, sheer grace. Now, if you've been traveling with us through the book of Genesis, we're looking at Jacob's 12 sons, and we made the case that in this last section, the two main sons who get the most airtime, so to speak, in the book of Genesis is Joseph and Judah. Joseph is a model for us of somebody who has a life of integrity, But if you recall, I also told you that from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, through Judah comes the Messiah. And in chapter 38, we find Judah messing up big time, big time. And it just reminds us once again that we wake up every single day and we try our best, as we should, to live a life that honors God. But we are never blessed because our lives honor God. We are blessed because God is a blessing God. And it's always about grace. And we all have to be careful 
Because it's so easy to start in the spirit and end up in the flesh. And we come to God, we're like, Lord, I'm a sinner. I just need you. I fall so far short. And then we start walking with him for a while. And then we start to think that we really got it all together. And we look at people who don't have it all together. and We look down our nose at them. When God always wants us to dwell at the dust of the foot of the cross of Jesus, whenever we see somebody whose lives are struggling, they're broken by their sin, we never judge them because we know exactly how they feel. Because we're still there today. All of us. And that's what this chapter is all about. So let's just jump right on into this mess, this beautiful mess of Genesis 38. In verse 1, it says this, It came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. And she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. And she conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Chezib when she bore him. Now, at that time, Judah departed from his brother. So after Joseph was sold into slavery, Judah separates himself from his brothers. Now, I want to make the case because it's so common that somebody walks with the Lord and you become part of a family of faith, right? And then all of a sudden, life starts to happen and you start to stray away from the family of faith. And then before you know it, you end up in a place like, how did I end up here? And let's be honest, some of us, when we start to make bad life decisions, what's the first thing we do? We pull ourselves out of fellowship. Because there's a part of us that if we're in fellowship and we're not doing well, we don't want anyone to know. We want to be kind of by ourselves. But I'll be honest with you. Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. And when we are isolated, that's really when we make the big mistakes. And so I want to encourage you that our hearts are fickle. We're prone to wander. But if you find yourself pulling away from the family of God in close fellowship, I want to encourage you, just even just right now, just write in your journal, like, when I start to pull away from fellowship with the people of God, I need to stop and turn around. Because it's so common, isn't it? Like, I always tell people, I have the blessing of being a pastor, and what that means is that, like, I have to be here. So if I'm having a bad day, I still have to be here. And I'm so grateful for that because I'm like, you know, could you imagine if I just didn't show up one day? I just don't feel like it. That'd be pretty bad, right? You guys would be like, what? Pastor Daniel's supposed to preach, and there's no preaching going on. What's up with that? But what's interesting is that we're a body, and at best, I'm a mouth in the body, and you can do without talking for a day. But when any part of the body stops showing up, stops giving and using the gifts that God has, the body suffers, doesn't it? So it's interesting that this whole story, this whole event begins with Judah departing from his brothers. So we have to be careful that we don't find ourselves drifting out of fellowship. You know, one of the things that I've also found is that when people come and they talk to me and they're really upset with their church, whether it's Crossroads or another church, I always say, well, listen, 
What's going on in your life? Because what I've often found is that when I'm struggling, I just want to get mad at everybody else. I want to notice all the failings of everybody else. Rather than just being able to say, look, I'm just really struggling right now. Like, my heart's just not right. I'm going through some tough times. See, we always find a reason to pull ourselves out. And it's always a justifiable reason in our minds until we realize that, hey, maybe I just need to get my stuff together. I need to talk with someone and say, hey, look, I'm just not doing well right now. So we got to be careful of seeing ourselves being pulled out of fellowship. Now, notice Judah departs and he visits a man who is an Adulamite whose name was Hirah. So he travels about 15 miles northwest of Hebron. Now, while he was there, notice he sees a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her, and he went into her. So he goes on out, he departs from his brother, and he finds himself falling in love with a Canaanite woman. Now, if you've been traveling with us through the book of Genesis, you know the application I'm going to make. We keep seeing it. Abraham didn't want his son Isaac to marry a Canaanite. Isaac didn't want their sons, Jacob and Esau, to marry Canaanites. And now Judah, he finds himself separated from the safety of his family, and he sees a Canaanite, and he marries her. And so the Bible teaches we do not want to be unequally yoked together with non-believers. We'll keep emphasizing it, and we keep emphasizing it because it just keeps happening in the body of Christ. I always say that the exception to the rule is that missionary dating and missionary marrying ends up in conversions. It's the exception to the rule, and so we don't want to live our lives based on the exception to the rule. You Christian gals, you need to wait for a man who you can say, Lord, I trust this man to lead me. As he follows the Lord, he's going to lead me. You Christian guys, you need to say, I'm waiting, Lord, for one of your daughters who I'm willing to die for. Not just any person of the opposite sex will do. We want God's best. And you can ask any married person who's been married past their honeymoon that marriage is hard and it's work. And you need to make sure that you're in it with the right person. It's hard enough when you're in it with the right person. There's nothing worse than when you marry somebody who doesn't love the Lord and all you're really looking for is not the love of someone of the opposite sex, but you're really looking for the love of God coming through somebody of the opposite sex. That's what you really want. And when you try and get that from somebody who doesn't even know the love of God, it's going to fall dreadfully short. So brothers, sisters, listen, have high standards. Wait for God's best. Now, Judah marries this Canaanite woman. He says he went into her, which means that they enjoyed the fruits of marriage. They end up with three sons, Ur, Onan, and I kid you not, verse 5, Sheila. That's a boy's name. Not anymore. But it was then. Now, their names, Ur means childless or watchman. Onan means mourning. And Sheila means disappointment. Ouch, right? Ouch. Now I, I don't want to. I don't want to overapply that or anything. I'm just gonna. That's what they name their kids. So it doesn't sound like they're laughing their way to a better marriage. But but that's where it went. Let's keep going. Verse five. It gets this gets worse. Believe me. Look at this. 
In verse 6, then Judah took a wife for Ur. I mean, can you imagine naming your son Ur? Ur. I mean, some of us, when I talk, I say Ur all the time. What, Dad? Ur, 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 Ur. Anyway, sorry. But Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now, Tamar, that actually means palm tree. That's kind of a cool name for a girl until we see what happens. You don't meet too many Tamars anymore because names get associated. You know, it's interesting. Seriously, think about the way names come. In Jesus's day, there was a lot of Judases. Why? Because Judas was the name of Judas Maccabee who went to battle against the Greeks and delivered the children of Israel. So Judas was a very common name. How many Judases do you know now? Zero, because it used to be popular, and now everyone thinks of Judas Iscariot, so it's a lousy name. Same thing like the name Adolf in Germany. It was a very popular name until after everything came out with World War II, and now the only people who name their kids Adolf are people who just want to offend people. So it's interesting with names. So Tamar, not a baby, you know, a palm tree. It's a kind of a nice name. We all like palm trees, right? No one would complain about a quick trip to Hawaii, so palm trees are good. Look at what it says. So he takes this woman for Ur. Now notice in verse 7, but Ur, Judah's firstborn, was wicked in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord killed him. And Judah said to Onan, go into your brother's wife and marry her and raise up an heir to your brother. But Onan knew that the heir would not be his, and it came to pass when he went into his brother's wife that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. And this thing which he did displeased the Lord. Therefore, the Lord killed him also. Okay, so before I unpack that, I, if you have your kids in here, I want to encourage you to take them out just so I can get to the heart of this. This might be a birds and the bees discussion that you might not be ready for with your kids. And so, um, do, 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 do. Don't run, don't worry. Okay. What is this all about? So, Judah's firstborn, Ur, was a wicked dude. That's what verse 7 says in the New Daniel translation. He's a wicked dude. And the Lord, because of his wickedness, he was committing a sin unto death. And he, the Lord took him. Now, people struggle with this. But the reality is that God is a just God. And part of God's justice is that God will remove injustice from the world. Now, for Americans, we struggle with this because we live in, even though it doesn't always seem that way, we live in a very just culture. Most of us are not experiencing all sorts of horrific injustices. Yeah, maybe you have a boss who's a little grumpy in the morning. But by and large, most of us are living within a just culture. And a lot of other places, the injustice is so rampant that you see this, they're like, yeah, that's a part of God's perfection. In our culture, we think, God killed this man because he was wicked? I mean, are you kidding me? But this is part of God's justice. So what happens? So Ur dies, and... Judah comes and he talks to the secondborn, Onan, and he said to him, listen, I want you to go into your brother's wife and I want you to marry her and I want you to raise up an heir for your brother. Now, this is an Old Testament concept 
called the Leverite marriage. What this means is, remember I've told you, and we're going to see this more as we go through, is that in the nation of Israel, land was given by tribe, and the firstborn of the family became the spiritual head of the home. So the firstborn son had the rights to be the head of the family. But if the firstborn son died, the next son in years would take his brother's wife as his own, and they would have children. And the firstborn of that relationship would be considered his older brother's son. So it was a part of the way of perpetuating the name. Now, I know that sounds weird. We don't necessarily do that. If we did and you had an older brother, you'd definitely be checking out his wife to see if anything went on with my brother. Is, is she cool? That was the way the culture was. And so what's going on here is Judah tells Onan, even before the law was given, listen, your brother Ur is the recipient of our familial blessing. So you need to take Tamar as your wife. You're going to have offspring. And your firstborn is going to be considered Ur's son. So that the firstborn of Onan and Tamar will actually be the next in line to have oversight over the family. It's called the Leverite marriage. Read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 5 to 10 is the big passage about it. It pretty much just explains this. But look at what happens. Onan, in verse 9, knew that the heir would not be his. And it came to pass that when he went into his brother's wife, that he emitted on the ground, lest he should give an heir to his brother. So this is what scholars like to call coitus interruptus. So for those of you who know Latin, coitus is the act of a husband and a wife, but it's interruptus because before everything hit its climax, he, what you would call, pulled out and he emitted on the ground. I told you to have your kids go out, but I'm just explaining this. But this is serious to the Lord. This is serious to the Lord because notice what happens. When this happened, you find that, and this thing in verse 10, which he did, it displeased the Lord, therefore he killed them also. So because Onan would not complete this act to raise up offspring for his brother, that offended the Lord. Now, I want to unpack this because a lot of people want to say, this is proof that you shouldn't use birth control. And guess what? That, this has nothing to do with that. The issue was not, quote-unquote, birth control. The issue was that Onan did not want to see his brother have an offspring who would take his place of primacy in the family. That's where the issue comes. So to cycle back to birth control, I always tell couples, birth control is between you and the Lord. That's where it boils down. Some people want to say, no, 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 no. And other people want to say, yes, 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 yes. And the Bible doesn't say either way. We know that God loves life, so that's why we think abortions are murder. We believe that, because God loves life. But birth control is not aborting children. Now, I want to say this. If someone in here has had an abortion, please talk to a pastor here, because God's grace is there for you. Okay? If you've made mistakes, no matter how many mistakes you've made, God's grace is there for you. You have not committed the unpardonable sin. Okay? We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. But with that being said, if you've never had that, don't ever plan on doing that either. Okay? So we have grace for the sins that we've committed in ignorance, but now you're not ignorant anymore. God loves life. 
and we should value life as well, okay? So the issue here for Onan is that he does not want someone to supersede him. He's not willing to take the lot in life that God has given him as the second born. And so what he does is instead of completing this with the potential, if he were to admit inside of her, then there is the potential for having a child. He pulled on out. He admitted on the ground. And God was offended. God was upset. And we're going to see this same type of thing in Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira, where they commit a sin leading unto death because what they're doing is offensive in the eyes of God. So from there... Look at what happens in verse 11. Now, then Judah said to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, remain a widow in your father's house till my son Shelah is grown. For he said, lest he also die like his brothers. And Tamar went to dwell in her father's house. So Judah resolves this situation. Now think about it. He married his son to Tamar. Now he's lost two sons. And he's thinking to himself, I don't really want to lose all my kids. So he tells her, go to your father's house and live as a widow. Now, in that culture, women could not work outside of the home. Really, it's only in the last 50, 100 years that this was much more common, where women could provide for themselves. And so I think that I bring that up simply because oftentimes we neglect to be thoughtful about things that go on historically because we're too busy looking through the goggles of our culture in which we live. And the blessing of the culture that we live in is that men and women both can provide for themselves. But it was not always so. So for Tamar, he says, go back to your dad's house. Live as a widow. So your dad will take care of you until my son Sheila is grown up. And then I will bring you to Sheila. And, and the two of you will be married. And then the firstborn of your offspring will end up being your brother's child and will have the place of primacy. So he sends her on back. Now, in verse 12, now in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died, and Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shearers in Timnah, he and his friend Hira the Adulamite. And it was told Tamar, saying, verse 13, look, your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself and sat in an open place which was on the way to Timnah, for she saw that Sheila was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot because she had covered her face. Then he turned to her, by the way, and says, please let me come in to you, for he did not know that she was his daughter-in-law. So she said, what will you give me that you may come in to me? And he said, I will send a young goat from the flock. And she said, will you give me a pledge till you send it? Then he said, what pledge shall I give you? And she said, your signet and cord and your staff that is in your hand. Then he gave them to her and went into her, and she conceived by him. Jesus is real. The world of the Bible is so much different from ours. Arranged marriages and the way women were treated... But as Pastor Daniel taught, sin is still sin and people still do the same kinds of things that were done thousands of years ago. As we learned today, there's one important thing that is the same now as then, the grace of God and his ability to turn messes into wonderful things. 
Pastor Daniel's message today is just one of many he shared from a variety of books in the Bible. Would you like to explore more? Just visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to access our library of audio. You can also connect with Pastor Daniel on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram through the links you'll find at the bottom of the page, JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, this is Josh, and I wanted to personally thank you for listening today to Jesus Is Real Radio. Did you know that Pastor Daniel also has a TV program? It's called Real with Daniel Fusco. I want to encourage you to go to JesusIsRealRadio.com, click on the Stations option in the main menu, and find out if Real with Daniel Fusco airs on a TV station in your area. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will be teaching about a situation where God kills a couple of guys, which sounds weird to our ears, but you'll find out why God did it and the motivations behind it all. You'll also hear about other sexual sins, the ramifications of those sins, and God's grace in the situation to perform His will. You've been listening to Jesus Is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through his series called Brothers next time. Until then, may God bless.